break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on this Friday, the 5th of February, 2021. Very happy to be with you on the Punch Out here on Breakthrough News, 5 p.m. Eastern, as we always are Monday through Friday. Got plenty for you here on today's show. We've got the left in Ecuador poised to win the presidential elections this Sunday. We're going to be talking about how the stimulus Democrats are moving forward just sells out low-wage workers. No other way to say it other than that. And we're going to move first, before we get to those two important stories, to rich countries countries putting big pharma before people when it comes to COVID-19 vaccinations. Well, yesterday at the World Trade Organization, the U.S., the EU, and the U.K. moved to block a resolution from India and South Africa to help increase vaccine production worldwide. Specifically, the Western nations opposed a proposal to temporarily suspend, temporarily suspend intellectual property rights for COVID-19 vaccines and treatments to allow for the widest possible production. The Indian-South African proposal, pretty straightforward. Since these drugs are proprietary, the only people who can make them are the companies that develop them and whoever they choose to partner with. And, you know, obviously that means they're many more companies than just those, so it limits the production. Now, given the fact that most vaccine production capacity is in the global south, another point being made uh, about this proposal is that for many countries, it'll be quicker and easier to just allow any company who can make the vaccines and treatments to make them so they don't have to wait for some partnership or some company in another country to you know, make it for 13 other countries. Essentially, what they are doing here is creating an all-hands-on-deck approach to vaccines. That's basically what this Indian-South African proposal uh, really is. It makes it so that you, anyone who can get the patent can look at it and produce it, which means, you know, obviously there are other drugs being made, but a significant chunk of the world's capacity could be brought online, and especially for poorer nations who are having the biggest trouble getting the vaccines because the U.S., the U.K., and the EU have been hoarding them and really putting sort of first dibs on a lot of these vaccines, many of them coming from their own countries, that for many of these countries that are struggling to get it, they can produce you know, some level of medicines or other countries around them can, and they, there would be much easier access for the poorer nations for COVID-19 vaccinations. But now some, it's, it's unclear when there'll ever be any significant vaccines given to them. So when you look at this issue, big pharmaceuticals are, are really what's behind this. These Western governments are just shilling for them. They are claiming about this and have said, well, it's not even an issue. Everything's fine. There's unprecedented cooperation. Uh, you know, we're partnering with all these people. That's obviously just not true. Clearly, we can see that there are shortages in the vaccines already. We've already talked about the issue of hoarding. We've already talked about the long lines uh, in, you know, developing nations. So clearly, they are not producing the vaccines in a way that is as fast as we really need them or that 
comports in any way, shape, or form with the actual level of production that's possible on the worldwide stage. But what would they lose? Of course, they would lose massive profits. If you let anyone make it, there are all sorts of different competitors. Some people might even give it out for free. So obviously, they will lose their huge mega profits on these COVID-19 vaccinations if they allow this Indian-South Africa proposal to succeed at the World Trade Organization. And again, that's temporary lifting the intellectual property restrictions so that anyone can produce it. And of course, not only is Big Pharma concerned about losing profits on the COVID-19 drug in particular, I mean, that in and of itself is enough of a motivation, I'd say. But over top of that, ultimately, this will reveal in a major way just yet again, it was already revealed when we saw how much, you know, funding went into this from public entities. So, you know, many of these drug company claims about what we have to do these things to do. We have to have these sky high prices to have the research have already proven to be fake. And now when it's shown that you can make large volumes of drugs a lot more cheaper and get them to people a lot more quickly, which is obviously good for the health and well-being of the planet, that people might start to question more seriously the method of production of pharmaceuticals now, which is heavily weighted towards making major, major profits and saving people's lives as a secondary issue. So it's not 100% clear where this is going to go at this point. It has not officially been blocked. These countries, the US, UK, and EU have just have put a roadblock in front of it, if you will. They're making it take longer. There's going to be a meeting at the end of this month that will take it up again. It does seem like it's going to be difficult to move the needle. They do seem very dug in. Obviously, the massive Western pharmaceutical industry is putting a lot into blocking this, So, but it's not 100% over. But as of now, it certainly seems that big pharma has almost certainly succeeded in blocking this issue, which means that for them, it isn't worth saving people's lives unless they can make mega profits. And maybe it shouldn't be unbelievable, but it's certainly outrageous that these Western governments are willing to show for them on this issue. Well, as we told you they would last night on the Freedom Side Live on Breakthrough News, 8 p.m. Eastern time on Thursdays. The Senate Democrats have indeed pushed through the first step, at least, towards passing a watered-down stimulus bill that has sold out low-wage workers and many others hurting economically. The Senate passed a budget resolution last night on a party-line vote. That means only Democrats voted for it and Kamala Harris broke the tie to push forward the bulk of President Joe Biden's proposed package or the other things, minus the increase in the minimum wage and the phasing out of the $1,400 direct payments for people making either over $50,000 or maybe $75,000 if you're an individual or $100,000 or maybe $150,000 for families. It's not 100% determined yet. The minimum wage was stripped from the bill after a voice vote on a resolution by Senator Joni Ernst, a far-right senator from Iowa, which conveniently allowed Democrats to strip the measure without having to reveal who exactly is in favor of poverty wages. The reduction in direct payments came from an amendment put forward by Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Republican Susan Collins of Maine that vaguely stated that the checks will not go to quote-unquote high earners without specifying the exact amount to allow for negotiations along the lines of the numbers I mentioned earlier. The Senate also passed an amendment that would reaffirm the U.S. will keep its embassy in Jerusalem. Yeah, I guess that was super important for a stimulus bill. Only three people voted against that, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Tom Carper. They also voted, the Senate that is, 58 to 42, to prevent stimulus money from going to undocumented immigrants. And that's certainly interesting because that wasn't even a part of the bill. 
They also, the Senate, that is, unanimously approved a measure for Florida's from Florida's two Republican senators to prevent tax increases on small businesses during the pandemic as well. Now, the bill will go through two more steps. First is just a pro forma vote by the House today, and then there's going to be a reconciliation process where the two chambers write a unified bill, then they vote on that unified bill. They're going to try to pass it through something called budget reconciliation, which allows them to pass it in the Senate by a simple majority, 51 votes, that 50 Democrats plus Kamala Harris, rather than the normal situation where a filibuster, where people just talk forever to prevent them from voting, could force them to get 60 Senate votes to break the filibuster and then be able to vote. Anyway, long story short, Bernie Sanders and others are saying that they will reinsert the $15 an hour provisions in the reconciliation portion, but it seems pretty difficult that they're going to, to find a way to get 50 Democratic votes there on that issue. Uh, I mean, maybe if people have to write their name down on paper, they won't necessarily want to say that they're for poverty wages, but obviously there uh, is, it's obviously going to be an uphill climb there. So Sanders has a plan here, a messaging plan, as it were, around his phase in, but I have to say it seems very likely the minimum wage increase is gone. The watered-down checks, that's already a done deal, just a matter of the exact cutoffs. But here's the thing you got to remember, though, because this issue is being presented as if it's like, well, we don't want money going to rich people, and that's why we're cutting it off. Now, whether or not $50,000 is a cutoff for rich people, that's a whole other question, uh, or 75, quite frankly, given the cost of living in a lot of places around this country. But be that as it may, but forget all that. The real issue here that we should be thinking about is this is based on your 2019 tax returns before the pandemic even started. So there are plenty of people who are making over fifty dollars and $75,000, plenty of families making over $100,000 or $150,000 who potentially could have lost significant or all of their income in catastrophic circumstances here. Who knows what medical bills? You don't know what people could be dealing with in this pandemic, and they will not be able to get this check. So just think that through for a second. This is not targeting the checks. This is not a, a keeping rich people out of a program that should be helping working class people. This is just reducing the number of people getting it with no reference at all to the suffering that's going on just to say they're spending less money. Just to say they're spending less money. It's that callous. It has nothing to do with helping people. It has nothing to do with keeping money out of the hands of rich people who don't deserve it. Nothing. Well, the whole thing is going to take a little bit of time. Estimates suggest that they might not get into an actual vote on the reconciled bill till mid-March. That's right. I mean, I thought they were going to do all this stuff right away. Well, here we are. So far in 2021, Democrats have shown that when push comes to shove, they'll sacrifice real relief for political expedience. As I've said before, I'll say it again, they have the leverage. Democrats only have power because they won the election. They only won the election because they promised to do something. You only have your committees because you get it from the leadership. The leadership of both houses, the Senate and the White House, can't muscle through the bare minimum. People are saying we need $4 trillion. So they can't muscle through a bill that doesn't even meet the scale of the problem with all the that power, totally false. They could easily do it. They're just choosing not to, to maintain some BS illusion of bipartisanship to make it look like American democracy is strong, even if people go hungry.
Well, and those were the sounds from the closing campaign rally of the leading candidate in Sunday's upcoming elections in Ecuador for the presidency there. Andres Arauz is that candidate. Arauz, who represents a left-wing popular current, has been surging in the polls for a couple months now. It surprised many people, but it's really indicated by every single poll that is showing him with uh, enough support to win for sure, and in many of them, enough support to win in the first round, avoiding election. That's if you win over 50% or 40% center over, but no one's within 10 points of you. That's how you avoid it. Looks like he might clear that bar. Arouse's campaign has risen on the backs of the opposition to growing poverty in Ecuador, submission to the dictates of international institutions like the IMF, which of course related to deteriorating living standards, intense corruption in the current government, which also oversaw a horrifically bad response to COVID-19. Right-wing forces have accelerated all sorts of dirty campaign tricks towards the end of this process. They're trying anything they can to derail, arouse, and the Union of Hope Party he represents. And there also are schemes afoot that appear to be trying to lay the groundwork for the current government to either suspend suspend the election at the last minute here or to invalidate it right after with bogus legal challenges around electoral inconsistencies, one of which that's been rolled out this week is that they're using COVID-19 tests as bribes for votes. Now, Arouse is a former official in the government of the past presidents, two presidents ago, basically, in Ecuador, Rafael Correa, which, who made, in that government, which was a couple governments, he got elected a couple times, uh, made notable strides in decreasing poverty and improving access to things like healthcare and education. Arouse is proposing to make education the primary engine of social transformation, he's calling it. He's also pledging to crack down on tax evasions by the ultra-rich and give significant payments, $1,000 U.S., to one million families in his first week in office to provide relief during the pandemic to those who have been suffering so badly so far. A win by Arouse will mark another notable swing in the momentum in Latin American politics that has seen tens of millions of people power movements against the most predatory far-right versions of capitalism in the past few years. And this win in Ecuador, if it indeed happens, would certainly upset the U.S. agenda of disrupting the rising tide of left-wing sentiment on the continent since 1998. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah.